Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Washington, D.C. Acknowledge me. Chris Russell on the Team 980. I'm not trying to be a jerk. Oh, baby, we are off and running on a Monday afternoon in the nation's capital and beyond via the Odyssey app. Oh, yeah. Yes, indeed. Good to have you with us back from the weekend uh, that was along with Matty Ice. I am the rooster flying solo uh, on this side of the glass today. Uh, We will see if something pops up. Uh, We will let you know about that. For right now, it is me. And you with Maddie chiming in as well. Right here on this Motown Monday. Yeah, baby. Love the music of Motown. And It's been a minute since we've had a Motown Monday. Well, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because we've had three out of the last four Mondays off. Yes. Basically is what it amounted to. We've been very lazy around here. Uh, Very lazy. I mean, yeah. Because we had Christmas Day off Monday. New Year's Day off Monday, and then Martin Luther King holiday two weeks after New Year's Day off. We worked one Monday in the last month. I'm not too upset about it. I'm not that upset about it either. This week's going to be tough, though. But in the football season, Mondays are prime days, prime real estate, right? So in a way, I wish we could have had something different. In a way. Oh, Um, yeah, we came in a little – it was – by the time we came back on, all the talk of the games was mm -hmm. already done, so there wasn't really a need to talk about all the football that was happening. I mean, we talked about it, but it's not not the same on on a Tuesday as it is on a Monday, right? It just isn't. So here we are, and away we go. And, I mean, listen, Divisional Playoff Weekend is generally the best weekend of – the playoff weekends, right? Because in the wild card round, even though you get the six games compared to the four, you get, generally speaking, lesser teams. Generally speaking. Now, they're all playoff teams, obviously, duh. But with the expansion to seven, with the number one seed off on bye, with no break in between the arduous regular season and some teams need to win basically four or five games in a row down the stretch as the Commanders slash Redskins have had to do several times in order to make the playoffs. You know, sometimes you just run out of gas, and sometimes the games are really not good. Five out of the six games last weekend sucked. Awful. 
this weekend, Baltimore and Houston was tight until early in the third quarter when Baltimore then opened up a can of whoop-ass. So that game became a blowout, but that game was really, really intriguing and tight in the first half. And then even for, I guess, half or so of the third quarter, even though Baltimore came right out, marched down the field, and scored within, uh, I think it was like uh, the 10-minute mark of the third quarter on Saturday afternoon at M&T Bank Stadium. Green Bay-San Francisco was tight throughout, even though Green Bay at one point had a touchdown lead going into the the fourth quarter, I want to say. It was never more than a one-score game. It was always tight. So we got the goods on Saturday night. It wasn't a great played, a greatly played game by any stretch. As a matter of fact, it was a really, really, really poorly played game by the San Francisco 49ers. And obviously not a well-played game by the Green Bay Packers, or they would have won because they had a million opportunities. Yesterday afternoon, first up on yesterday afternoon was Tampa and Detroit. And at one point, with about mm, seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter, it became a 14-point game. It had been nip and tuck back and forth much of the way throughout up until that point. And then just when you thought, lights out, Tampa's done, they go right down the field, and Mike Evans is just a beast. And all of a sudden, at seven, they go for the two-point. They don't make it. They still have a chance to get a defensive stop. And I don't know what Todd Bowles was doing there at the, at the end of the game. I'm not saying that they would have won, but Detroit snaps the ball way too early. Todd Bowles doesn't take his time out on fourth down. I have no idea what either side was doing. It was like both teams had a major, enormous brain cramp late in that game. And ultimately, Detroit wins. But that was at least an entertaining game almost throughout. And then obviously last night was You know, again, not a well-played game in a lot of ways, but it was a fun, exciting game. So three out of the four were nip and tuck right down to the final couple of minutes. And Baltimore-Houston, which wasn't, was a fantastic game in the first half. And you started to think, oh, wow, Houston might be able to win this. You know, they get the big kick return from former... Commander slash Redskins slash Washington football team return artist, Stephen Sims Jr. And you start to think, hmm, if CJ can start hooking up, you know, heating up, if they can run the ball at all against this Baltimore defense, which is kind of the soft, if you will, part of the Baltimore defense, if there is one, Houston might be able to do something here. And then it was all Lamar. And then it was just like Lamar said, please, child, please. Get the bleep out of here. I'm going to kick your ass. Went for the highlight reel. And just did it all. I mean, just carved them up like, you know, a bunch of cut-go knives. I mean, just slicing and dicing, baby. And that throw to Isaiah Likely. Oh, by the way, again, not that it took a genius to figure this out. If you didn't bet Isaiah Likely as a prop anytime touchdown scorer, A, you weren't paying attention to your boy on Twitter. At WrestleMania 621, because I told you you should on Saturday morning, one. Two, you didn't even need to listen to me. You could just check recent history. Trends, baby. Isaiah Likely 
because Mark Andrews has been out, and Isaiah likely has been an intriguing prospect. And I'll give uh, my former partner, Pete Medhurst, who doesn't like me anymore, uh, and I'll give him a little credit um, for being hot to trot on Isaiah likely, I think out of Coastal Carolina or something like that. Um, when he was first drafted, he was all over him. Isaiah likely, I mean, they don't miss Mark Andrews right now. Now, listen, it will help to beat Kansas City if Mark Andrews can come back, and I assume he'll be able to play because he was pretty damn close to playing this week. It would help, but Isaiah likely has more than made up for Mark Andrews' production. And the Ravens rocked and rolled over a game Houston team, but a Houston team that blitz the crap out of Lamar in the first half and was aggressive and came downhill and attacked and did their thing. And then for whatever reason, didn't do it as much in the second half, probably because they were struggling to cover and Lamar was breaking the pocket and doing what Lamar does. But the difference is, is Lamar can do it now from the pocket more consistently. Like it's not like he couldn't do it from the pocket before this year. He was really good. I've always said this about Lamar. He was really good as a pocket passer in the red zone because of the fear of his legs, because of the fear of his mobility. He was not as good outside of the red zone because defenses could play him differently and better, and because he was still learning how to be a pocket passer. You look at a couple of those throws, and, and, and there was one in particular, and I forget who it went to, maybe it was a crossing route to Odell. I'd have to go back and double check. But Lamar lined up on the left hash, and he kind of drifted back and crossed the middle of the field to the right hash. And Morgan Moses had the left defensive end or linebacker completely occupied and completely blocked. The whole field was there for Lamar to take off and run and probably run for about 35 yards. And Lamar said, no, I'm throwing this seed. I'm throwing this rock. And he fired a seed, a strike, to the receiver. Again, I think it was Odell, but I'd have to go back and double check. Lamar doesn't make that throw in the past all the time or consistently or maybe any of the time. Lamar runs with that, and so do many mobile quarterbacks. That's the difference between Lamar and everyone else. That's the difference between Lamar and well, I mean, I mean, clearly there's monster differences between Lamar and Robert Griffin. But Lamar and Michael Vick, until Michael Vick got with Andy Reid in Philadelphia and learned how to become a passer, you have to be able to use your mobility to manipulate the defense and then still have the gumption to fire strikes on target and the ability to do that instead of always just running and scrambling for your life. And that's what Lamar has done more and more and more and more and more this year. And it's not like he hadn't had injuries. I always talked about that ad nauseum. Not this year, but he missed 13 games down the stretch the last two years. It was the number one reason why I said, I can't do Lamar. I can't pay him $200-plus dollars and three first-round picks or two first-round picks or whatever the hell it would have cost. I can't do it. I cannot do it. But I... You know, this year, proved me wrong. He stayed healthy the entire year. And on Saturday, it took him a little while to get going, but, man, did he get going. All right, more on that coming up. First, this. Let me start with this. Last night, we'll stay in the AFC. 
and then we'll get to the two NFC games on the other side. You want to jump in? Uh, 301-230-0980. 301-230-0980 is how you can hop aboard on the Ace Law listener lines. In a rec case law, I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. Call us at 301-230-0980. So the Chiefs win 27-24 over the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo, right? The weather was not as big of a factor as everybody was thinking, fearing, whatever. I mean, it was cold, obviously, duh. But it was not a factor, really, in any way that I could see in the game. The Chiefs winning 27-24 should not be a surprise if you actually pay attention. And that's the problem. Too many people don't pay attention. Your boy had them straight up. I mean, obviously, to cover the two and a half, but I picked them on the money line. Said that on the air last week. Bet it. And I'm not a big better. I mean, I'm pretty proud of myself because that was a spot where a lot of people, a lot of people were picking the Bills' home team, the home's first road playoff game. Kansas City's offense has been generic, kind of neutralized all year. As soon as I saw it, forget about Gabe Davis being out, knowing that Matt Milano, their best linebacker out, is out. And yesterday afternoon when we got word of Terrell Bernard out, who just absolutely harpooned the commanders in week three and kept it up, After that, missing Milano, missing Tredavious White, missing uh, Terrell Bernard, missing Gabe Davis. I I, I thought to myself, there's almost no, not that there's no way, but are the Bills really good enough to overcome all that, especially if Josh Allen isn't Superman? And that was the other part of the equation against a really good Kansas City defense, and they make no mistake about it, they weren't very good in the first half. It took them a while to get going. But once they got going, they sunk their teeth in a little bit. But the other part of the equation was, could Josh Allen overcome no Gabe Davis? Could he overcome if Buffalo could not run the football very effectively? And and, and what I mean very effectively, I mean, obviously, by the numbers they did, Josh had 72 yards and a couple of rushing touchdowns. But I'm talking about, like, where they ran the ball like they did against Dallas a couple of weeks ago, where James Cook was just tearing them up. And that was not the case last night. Again, the numbers would not tell you that, but if you watch the game, you know what I'm talking about. Again, a quarterback, like not all of those were called runs. A bunch of those were scrambles off re, or off of uh, RPO, you know, that type of thing. Uh, so again, some of that is by design. Some of that is by play call, what have you. But I was convinced going into this game that with all the Bills' defensive injuries, and then on top of that, On top of that, if Patrick Mahomes, I'm sorry, if Josh Allen was going to have to be Superman, I did not trust that Bills offense to be Superman-like. And listen, I almost got burned by it because the Bills should have won that game or at the very minimum tied it. We all know about the blown field goal at the end, 44 yards, whipping wind, wide right, all of that, horrible kick. But the two plays before that, Man, if Josh Allen is 
who America thinks he is. And if Josh Allen is ever going to win, hell, win, get to a Super Bowl, he has got to make something happen on either one of those last two plays. I don't care what the circumstances were. I don't care what the pressure was from Chris Jones walking Deion Dawkins back. He's got to find a way to get seven yards, eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, whatever it is. All game long, he had struggled north of the line of scrimmage. I'm going to give you the exact numbers when we come back. All game long, north of the line of scrimmage, he had struggled. He was great around the line of scrimmage and behind the line of scrimmage. He was perfect all game long. And then we try and play hero ball. We try and play Superman. We try and do what hasn't worked all game. I know they beat LeJarrius Sneed for his first touchdown since like week 15 of last year. Congratulations. It took a precision throw. It took a dart, front corner of the end zone, low to the ground. Great throw, great play. I'm not trying to take it away. Shakir did a nice job snatching it off, you know, low off the ground. I'm not trying to take that away. But all game long, Josh Allen was better behind the line of scrimmage and around the line of scrimmage than he was anything north of the line of scrimmage. And again, I'll give you the next-gen stats when we come back. What in the world was Buffalo doing and thinking when they needed, not that it was a guarantee, I'm not suggesting that it wasn't, and a lot of you are going to say, Chris, what are you talking about? The kick was so bad he would have missed it from, you know, eight yards out. Guys, 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 guys. It's a 44-yard miss. We're not talking about a 56-yard miss. The line of scrimmage was the 26-yard line. If you gave me eight more yards, seven more yards, obviously it's an easier kick, 37, 38, 39, whatever the case might be. Maybe it's also spotted in the middle of the hashes instead of being on the right hash where you could see the wind was clearly blowing from basically left to right from the kicker's vantage point, where the kicker was, left to right. And clearly. So you had a wind, a strong gust. I've been in that stadium a million times. And you had the ball lined up on the right hash, and you had a kick of attempt of 44 yards instead of 37, 36, 35, whatever. It, hell, less. If Josh Allen hits Stephon Diggs, who is a pain in the ass, if he hits Stephon Diggs on that crossing route instead of trying to go down the field and get walked into by Chris Jones, it's a completely different kick. It's a completely different situation. Now, I know what you're going to say. If Stephon Diggs catches that bomb, it's a – yes. I'm not saying it's all Josh Allen's fault. But, hey, you're the quarterback. You are paid the big money. You have all the glory. You've got to be better in that spot, Period. And Josh Allen wasn't good enough. And neither were the Bills. And Sean McDermott is a whack job, too, when some of his coaching decisions. We'll get into that along the way. Plus the two NFC games, Tampa and Detroit, San Francisco and Green Bay, when we return. Plus your phone calls on a Motown Monday, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. 
Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Oh, a little heat wave, baby. 126. It feels like a little bit of a heat wave out there. It was like 37 degrees when I got in my car. I mean, that qualifies as a heat wave, right? After what we've been through. I was up a little bit early this morning, uh-huh. I got to say. It was like 19 when I went out oh, this I'm morning. Oh, sure it wasn't oh, fun. Miserable. Yeah. But it it couldn't have been worse than Saturday, which was just a bit Unbearable. I, I, I went outside Sat- for about, I think, 30 seconds and yeah. immediately was like, oh, whatever I had to do. Not worth Saturday, it. there was blowing snow and like, you know, like you see in, in blizzard-like conditions coming off of roofs of houses and whatever. You could see the wind all day long. I went out Saturday for the first time at like 425, right before the Ravens and Texans started. Yeah. To take a little bit of a walk to get my fat ass some exercise. Nothing like waiting until five minutes before a playoff game to do so. I was too busy uh, in the analytics lab uh, on Saturday. And I thought I was never going to make it home. It was so unbearably cold and windy at 4.30 on Saturday afternoon. I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, I I don't – I've lived here now 16 – let me see – I think it's 16 and a half years or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've seen some blizzards. I've seen two feet of snow. I, I mean, I've seen it all. And I've, I'm sure I've seen cold days like Saturday. Saturday, the cold air, the Arctic air, like 24 degrees or whatever it was, yeah. I think a high, along with the 20 to 25 mile an hour consistent whipping winds. Oh. And that's the thing. The wind is the worst. It's not the cold temperatures. You want to know something the ironic slash kind of funny? So my girlfriend spent this weekend out with some friends out in Colorado skiing. It was about 40 degrees out there. It was warmer where she was skiing 
than it was here in D.C. In like Aspen and yes. all that? Wow. Now, I saw Hollywood Nick Ashu, our colleague who now works at BetQL. Oh, is he doing to, a red carpet? Uh, no, no. I'm sure, although I'm sure as soon as he gets back, uh, he will. But I saw him and his wife out at like some ski resort because they go on 14 vacations a year. And I saw them at some ski resort, and they had snow all over the place mid last week. I don't know what happened this weekend. I don't ski. I don't do any of that. Homie, don't play that, as I like to say. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like, like sometimes you get that in Colorado. Like, you could get six, seven, eight inches of snow overnight, and by noon, it's like sixty some odd degrees. Yeah, it's crazy out there. Um, Saturday was brutal, just brutal, and it didn't look fun in Baltimore. For the Ravens and the Texans. And it took the Ravens, again, a full half to really warm up and to really hit their stride. I will say, though, the one thing that was beneficial almost with all the cold weather was that Texas had seen this cold for the past week. So the whole, yeah, oh, they're they coming from, yeah, they're coming yeah. from Texas. Yeah. Oh, they're going to have to deal I with mean, all of a sudden dealing with cold weather. It's like, well, but they were practicing in 14-degree weather this Troy week. Troy Aikman, so. who's as, as interesting as a saltine cracker, um, says nothing of any consequence at all on the broadcast, was like, yeah, I was in Texas this week, and it was cold. Listen, man, I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was in the 30s. Texas don't get cold like it got cold. Apparently in uh, Saturday, and it doesn't get cold like it did in Kansas City last Saturday or for any days around that or in Buffalo uh, any of the last week and a half. Apparently in Dallas, it hit 14. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't hear. I didn't see that. So okay. cold. Is, this is legit cold. This isn't. Okay. This isn't nope. Texas cold. I know in Little Rock, Arkansas, and surrounding you know areas because it got some family there. It was brutally cold all last week. Snow, all that stuff. All right, um, we can talk about weather all, all, all the time. Ultimately, the weather did not have a major impact on these games. But I will tell you this. I mean that that missed kick clearly was taken by the wind. But there were other things that led up to it that contributed to that kick missing so badly. So don't be so freaking stubborn and naive to think, well, no matter what Josh Allen did or didn't do, um, the kick would have been missed anyway. Again, don't be so naive. Okay, and many of you are. That being said, what a terrible idea for a missed uh, for a fake punt. To run DeMar Hamlin, who we all know the story, but we all know DeMar Hamlin didn't play a whole lot this year uh, until injuries pressed him into duty to run on like a fourth and five, 12 minutes left to go in a tight ball game. And in his defense, he had a couple good plays over the course of the game. DeMar Hamlin. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But I'm talking about a fake punt in this particular case. Like if you're going to, if you're going to, again, you can fake punt it. I'm not saying that he's the first head coach to ever determine a fake punt. But if you're thinking about not punting in that spot, which is essentially the decision, why wouldn't you keep Josh Allen somehow, some way on the field? Like, that's the argument. It's not so much, oh, man, that's a dumb decision because it didn't work out, Uh, even though I don't love the decision based on time, based on field position, based on score, all of that. That's a dumb decision. That's a dumb decision because you're taking Josh Allen off the field. You're taking Stephon Diggs off the field. You're taking Dawson Knox 
off the field. You're taking James Cook off the field. You're taking uh, uh, Dalton Kincaid off the field. It's just, just a terrible decision. Two special teams blunders. One of them obviously cost the Bills. The other one, of course, didn't have an impact. But if they keep Josh Allen and crew on the field and decide to go for it, maybe they make it and maybe they score. Maybe they back the, they break the back in that spot of the Chiefs. We'll get you some of the particulars uh, coming up. But then real quickly, the other spot that I think you have to look at Buffalo and say, oh, my God, what happened here is the fact that they allowed 27 points to the Chiefs while playing at home when the Chiefs are as pedestrian of an offense as they're going to find or as they're going to be. You know, we all know that the Chiefs struggled this year. It was their first road playoff game, so on and so forth. We all know. And they didn't have Kadarius Toney. Not that that's the end of the world by any means. He drops every pass thrown to him. But, I mean, Kadarius Toney was huge for them in the Super Bowl run last year. But my goodness, what are you doing? Like, I know they had a ton of injuries. I got it. But... You can't allow the Chiefs. I mean, on the second Kelsey touchdown, he's wide open by 20 yards. Now, some people are going to tell you that's great design. Yeah, sure. I'll take a Hall of Fame tight end, run a corner route, and he runs from Orchard Park to Syracuse, New York, with nobody near him by 20 yards. You got a single high safety who's playing 30 yards away from him on the other side of the formation. What are you doing? That's called defensive blunders. That's not called great execution by the offense. That's called a standard route to a Hall of Fame tight end from a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the Bills acted like they had never seen Jason Kelsey run a route ever before. I'm tra- Travis Kelsey. I'm, I'm so scarred by Jason Kelsey running around without a shirt. Time for a trending alert, and then we'll get um, to your calls and the rest of the NFC picture after this. Here's what's trending. On the Team 980. All right, Trending Alert is brought to you by our friends at the Maryland, Maryland, if I could say it in English, Vehicle Theft Prevention Council. Maryland drivers, did you know a vehicle is stolen every 49 minutes in the state of Maryland? The key to preventing theft is in your hands. Lock your car, take your key, use an anti-theft device, learn more. About vehicle theft protection at MD Theft, uh, mdautotheft.org. That's mdautotheft.org. All right, we start with some local news. No, the Commanders do not have a new head coach, but the former head coach and Grand Poobah of football operations here in Washington, Ronald Eugene Rivera, is going to interview for the Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator position. That's right. Looks like, it looks like, 
Uh, their head coach, Nick Seriani, is staying. Over the weekend, we found that Sean Desai, their now former defensive coordinator, was fired, and Matt Patricia was going to uh, leave to uh, explore other opportunities. Boy, I wonder where he's going. Uh, and so we found that out. And then we found out about interest in Wink Martindale. But now Ron Rivera, according to Jeremy Fowler and other reports, going to interview for the Philadelphia Eagle defensive coordinator position. Meanwhile, the Lions, again, advancing to the NFC Championship, dealing with some injuries. They've bolstered their tight end group by signing veteran tight end Zach Ertz. They've got some injuries on their offensive line to deal with uh, as well. And that's what's trending. All right, good to have you with us here on a Motown Monday in the nation's capital and beyond. Four divisional playoff games in the books. Told you a bunch about the Ravens over the Texans. We'll get in more on that later. Obviously, Kansas City, Buffalo. We haven't touched the controversial rule, the debate there. We'll get into that as well. Quick thought on both of the NFC wild, uh, not wild card games, divisional round games that we saw over the weekend. First, Tampa and Detroit. 31-23 Detroit wins. Uh, you know, Baker throws the late interception. He played great for the most part outside of that 26-41. 349, three touchdowns. Did have the early interception off the deflection. Uh, I, I, great might be a stretch. He played good enough. Road playoff game in that hornet's nest. Yes, Detroit's defense is not that good outside of Aiden Hutchinson and a couple of young spry guys, but mm, John C. Gardner-Johnson's good, pretty good. Not great in coverage, but he did have an interception. You get the point. Tampa, outside of Todd Bowles late and outside of finding a way to get one more defensive stop, did just about everything you could ask for a Tampa Bay team. Detroit is what this is about. Right? Detroit puts up 31 points. And they certainly deserve a lot of credit for that. They go for it on fourth and goal from the inside the one after getting stuffed on first, second, and third down. Not stuffed, but denied. They get the touchdown. So, once again, Dan Campbell is like a 53% conversion on fourth down rate guy. Uh, goes for it the most. Everyone knew he was going for it. They get the touchdown from Craig Reynolds in that spot. That was obviously huge. That was late third quarter. I still walk away saying that that offense is much more, and I know people are going to get mad at me, that offense is much, much, much more about their incredible offensive line. And I know they lost Jonah Jackson early. I know Frank Ragnow was banged up and tough as nails. But, man, you got Panay Suell, who was a number six overall pick. 
You got Tyler Decker who's been there forever, who's been a good left tackle. That offensive line is the glue to everything, in my opinion. The run game, obviously pass protection for golf. Tampa, who blitzes a ton. Tampa had two sacks, okay? Which, again, that doesn't mean that the the Lions' offensive line was perfect. Nobody's expecting them to be perfect. But probably against a blitzing defense like Tampa, most teams are going to generally give up three or four sacks. They gave up two. And one of them, I thought, was more on, on Goff than the offensive line. They ran, did Detroit, 71 offensive plays. Gave up two sacks. They ran for 114 yards, which is about league average. Nothing special. But when they had to have it, they went for it on the fourth and goal. Got it. Easily. And Jameer Gibbs, that one run for the 31-yard score, virtually untouched. And the notion that that has nothing to do with the offensive line, crazy. The notion that that's all Ben Johnson's freaking design, ludicrous. And I'm not talking about the rapper Ludicrous from State Farm, no. Ludicrous. That's Jameer Gibbs, yes. And that's the offensive line, period. The offensive line is the glue, the straw that stirs the damn drink in Detroit. It's not Ben Johnson. And again, I, people get mad, get get mad at me, you know, yell at me because I, I I dare question. Oh my goodness, whether something could be the defense's fault as opposed to some nerd in the film lab just drawing up. Fancy schmancy plays. Listen, football is played on both sides. Wake up, people. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their defense, which, again, Todd Bowles, long time, good, really good defensive mind, former Washington Redskins, Super Bowl champion, all that, aggressive as you know what. On the Josh Reynolds nine-yard touchdown, in the second quarter, that some people were parading around on Twitter going, oh, my God, it's Ben Johnson. Oh, Ben Johnson. The sun rises and shines in Ben Johnson's underwear. Luda. They had four, four defenders to cover three guys. Three receivers. To the right side of the offensive formation. Four. And the receiver, Josh Reynolds, was open by eight yards in the back of the end zone. They had four. I've watched it a million times. I've seen it on next-gen stats. I've seen the animation. Four defenders to that side to cover three dudes. And Detroit got open by eight yards. And I got to get into pissing matches on Twitter with all sorts of people that think that Ben Johnson sat there and just creatively carved up 
Tampa Bay, and Tampa didn't blow a coverage, didn't pass off a receiver in zone, wasn't expecting a safety to jump down and cover and double an underneath receiver, and conveniently ignored that they had four guys there to cover three, and yet blew the coverage by seven or eight yards. Not to mention what happened on a third and one to a fourth string tight end in which, okay, you give up the first down. Fine. That's going to happen. Can we please not give up 31 yards to a fourth string tight end? Because the dude overruns the play and misses a tackle and gives up an extra 28 yards. Can we please do that? It is absolutely absurd. And I need to rant about this. I'm sorry. It is absolutely absurd that people think football is solely and exclusively about who can draw up the fanciest of plays. People. Nobody is denying that Ben Johnson is a good offensive coordinator. Now, his offense is a little bit hot and cold at times. We've seen that down the stretch. We've seen that. The notion that Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson primarily and Ben Johnson alone, more than players, more than a defense butchering coverage, a terrible defense at that in the secondary. I mean, you notice how Jared Goff did not really heat up until the starting corner went out and they started picking on the reserve kid. I forgot his name. Oh, they just picked on him to no end. And, again, the touchdown to uh, Josh Reynolds. That drove me nuts. And I got to be arguing with you. There's some of you numbnuts out there that think I'm mad because, uh, uh, because I don't have a time slot that I want. Or because, uh, I, because I'm just looking to be a contrarian. Oh, go screw. Nonsense. Football is played by players. It is executed or not executed by players. It is not one in the lab. And it never has been. Period. 301 And because of that, I didn't even get to the Green Bay, San Francisco situation. I'll get to there next. Uh, plus, we'll get your calls. 301 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. All right, good to have you with us here on a Motown Monday. Uh, we got a little phone screener type issue, so I'm going to have to trust and uh, lean on Maddie. Not trust, lean on Maddie to do a little bit more than he already has to do. So I apologize. 
Uh, we were trying to figure it out before we got to the phone calls. Can't figure it out on the fly, so we will keep on pushing. We'll get to Green Bay, San Francisco after 2 o'clock because I got a bunch of thoughts uh, on that. But let's get to uh, our buddy Jeff in Vienna, right? Uh, right here before the top of the hour. And say Jeff's first up in the leadoff spot. What up, Jeff? How are you, pal? Yeah, what a what a treat to bat leadoff. I guess go. I'm not Anthony Rendon who hates baseball. Oh, apparently. what a pain in the ass that guy. You know, that guy's as annoying <laughs> as the sycophants that think Ben Johnson it, it, it just, again, just walks on water. Please, uh, enough, enough, Anthony Rendon. Take your miserable, of- rotten ass home and just go away forever. I didn't even like him when he was here. Never mind since he's been here. My goodness. Yeah. What a pain in the ass. A lot of piling, a lot of piling on on him. Um, with regard to uh, Todd Bowles, I think, you know, the golden boy on the other side of the field needs to get a lot of questioning about kneeling down with 16 seconds on the play clock, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, I don't know if that's Ben Johnson. I don't know if that's Dan Campbell. I don't know if that was just a mistake by the players. I have no idea. But that's terrible, right? With 36 or so seconds left, and like you said, 16 seconds left on the play clock, uh, play clock and uh, – <laughs> and. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and they just butchered it. Sorry about that. You know yeah. what I was trying to say. Um, I don't know if I, I don't yeah, know what I was trying to. I don't. I don't. I don't know how I said it exactly, but it sounded close enough that I needed to issue a clarification. Exactly, and a couple quick uh, thoughts for uh, Robert from Annapolis and the other Ravens fans. Um, be prepared for those uh, pass interference flags that show up 15 seconds after the play is over, <laughs> and. Also, as an alternative to Tony Romo, you can listen to Kevin Harlan on Westwood One Radio, and I guarantee you will be much happier. Oh, I know. I know. I I would much rather listen on the radio anyway. I mean, Westwood One, first of all, does a tremendous job. Uh, You know, we've had a few of those guys on, uh, you know, between Ross Tucker and Mike Mayock and uh, Mike Golick and so on and so forth. But Kevin Harlan's tremendous, number one. Uh, And again, this is nothing against Jim Nance per se, although Jim Nance is you know, syrupy, like whatever is, it's just a little too much for me to handle. Uh, Tony Romo has just like Tony Romo. Everybody loved Tony Romo. When he first came around first couple of years, Tony Romo again, couldn't I mean, walk on water. Like everybody like he, 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 yeah, Jim. Uh, and, and just now everybody hates him because they realize what kind of goofball he is. Well, I think Bengals fans realized early on that if you're, playing Mahomes or Allen and Romo is doing the call, you cannot listen yeah. to the guy. Yeah. You have to listen to the local radio yeah. guys. Yeah, it, I, I hear you. I, hear. I mean, I try not yeah. to get all fired up about that, uh, you know, uh, either way. Uh, uh, real quickly, I know you hate the Ravens, but, I, I mean, is some part of you okay with them potentially being in the Super Bowl, or are you, like, rooting like hell for the Kansas City Chiefs who have – you know, oh. who, who obviously ended your year last year after you guys ended theirs two years ago. No, I respect the hell out of the Ravens, but I, I'm i rooting for a stadium collapse on Sunday, to be honest with you. It, it's like when Duke in North Carolina used to play basketball. There, there is no rooting for either side for me. <laughs> Jeff, how about Jeff and, Vienna? Uh, now, the problem is, the whole Kelsey stick thing is just gotten so oh, overblown. It's so, uh, and if they I, win, I think, I think Taylor gonna... is in Japan for the Super Bowl, uh, and I've oh, been told she's going to have a very, very, very 
logistically difficult time besides obviously the fact that she could take a private jet and all that. But, I mean, it's still 18 hours. It's still 18 hours or somewhere around that. And I think she's got a concert, I think, the night before the Super Bowl. or so. So, I mean, theoretically, I think she could make it. But I've been told that she's very unlikely to make the Super Bowl, which would make me very happy. If I don't have to deal with that yeah, nonsense, it has nothing to do with Tay-Tay. I like Taylor. It has nothing to do with her, let me be clear, and not liking women or strong, independent women and successful women like yep. some people accuse you of. Yep. It is the media nonstop slurp fest over what is going on in that suite that is so annoying. Well, you can't turn on TV without one of those two bozos on a commercial. Yeah. The, the whole family jumped the shark last year when his mom started getting in on it. And I'm with you. I, I saw Taylor Swift in Cincinnati this summer. I love her. I think she's great. Yep. I, the, you know, Goodell, whether it's coming from Goodell in the media office, I don't know, but it's just annoying. I think every time they can get Taylor on TV or anything to do with the Kelseys, they, they want to maximize it because they, they know what it means for social media and they know – Especially when, you know, uh, the, uh, Jason Kelsey's running around without a shirt and slugging beers and, and jumping out of suites and all that stuff. Appreciate you, Jeff. As always, good to hear from you uh, to get us going here on the phones. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. We will come back for hour number two straight ahead. Uh, some big-time thoughts on the Green Bay Packers, the San Francisco 49ers, Ron Rivera interviewing with the Eagles, and Eric Bieniemy interviewing with the Commanders. All to come next hour right here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Two kicks off. Auto Motown Monday. Good to have you with us. So I promised you this, and I was late delivering, but I want to pay it off. I just tweeted it so you can see or X'd it, whatever. That still sounds incredibly weird. Uh, sorry, Elon Musk. From Next Gen Stats, Josh Allen last night. 16 of 16. Behind the line of scrimmage. 16. Of 16. As a passer. 16 of 16. It's pretty incredible. Unfortunately, everything else stunk. With the exception of the bomb that Diggs dropped, which was not an easy catch, but it's just one that a pain in the ass who makes a lot of money, like Stefan Diggs, got to make in a big spot. Right? Not an easy catch. Defender was right there. May have altered it slightly. But he's got to make it. But that was Josh Allen's best throw of the night. Because everything else was eh. 10 of 21. For 95 yards. The touchdown in the front pin corner of the end zone that we mentioned. Great throw. Dart. 10 of 21. 95 yards north of the line of scrimmage and only two completions past the sticks, meaning beyond what was needed for a first down, I guess, on those individual throws. 
The last two throws, the last two plays before the missed field goal, Josh Allen is going to see those, that film, those choices in his nightmares for a long, long time. Long time. Uh, I, I love what Next Gen Stats does. I mean, it just helps you kind of visualize things that you think you see. Um, and I, I do want to point out, I was watching the game, you know, but I was concentrating on so many different things. Uh, my buddy George Carmi, uh, who used to work with me for at SI.com, who does a great job uh, on Twitter. Um, I think it's at GCarmi21, if memory serves. And Warren Sharp, Sharp Football Analytics, uh, pointed this out and had the video cut up and whatever. And so I mentioned this last night, and I did a little video on it last night. But I didn't even have this next-gen stat breakdown. I, I was just going by based on feel of what I saw. And then this morning on Get Up, Ryan Clark, Dan Orlovsky, all of them, Rex Ryan, are breaking down exactly those two plays and what happened or what didn't happen for the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. All right, a thought on the Green Bay Packer-San Francisco game um, from Monday, and then we'll get into some commander stuff. 301 by the way, uh, is how you can uh, jump in, uh, and Maddie will get you up uh, on the Ace Law listener lines. First of all, San Francisco wins 24-21. Yay, kudos. Okay, so they beat the seventh seed at home in a mostly driving rain. Not the entire game, but most of the way. San Francisco did not deserve to win that game. I mean, obviously, the Jordan Love interception at the end, just inexcusable, terrible. We all know he's running, scrambling to his right. He's got he's got time. He's got to eat it, got to throw it away, flings it up in the air. I have no idea what Jordan Love was thinking and doing. Terrible. The missed field goal by Anders Carlson late just absolutely comes back to haunt the Packers because they lose by three. Obviously, if you make a makeable field goal, you, you know, you're you're tied there and you're looking for the win. And a turnover, while it would have been problematic, certainly doesn't automatically end the game for you. I, you know, again, we talk about special teams all the time on this show. Not enough for my liking. Because I realize that not anybody cares about it like I do. But if you are the Green Bay Packers and you know that all that you accomplished this year and you know that you could have and should have and almost did beat the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. God, you are kicking your own ass on that trip home, and all day yesterday, and today. Because Carlson misses a 41-yarder. I mean, we talk about Tyler Bass, the 44-yarder, 41 yards. 41. And that was with six and uh, about 6.15 left to go, somewhere in that range. Maybe 6.20, can't remember exactly. And again... The score at that point 
I mean, that, that would have made it, that would have made it 24 to 17 Green Bay. And then San Francisco goes on a five minute, 11 yard drive, uh, 11 second drive, 12 plays, 69 yards, a nice mix of run and pass, something they did not do enough early or throughout the game, run the ball while Brock Purdy was struggling, no Debo in the rain, you know, all of that. And San Francisco takes the lead because they finally do the right thing. Yes, they got the passing game going. That certainly, I'm not suggesting that that wasn't a big part of it. Brock Purdy made two, I mean, he had the scramble, uh, Purdy, on, uh, let me see, where was it? Um, He had the scramble, oh gosh, I'm having trouble finding it uh, here. Um, Down to the, oh, here it was, to the nine-yard line, right? But before that, before that, he had a couple of throws that I was like, wow. One to Conley for 17 yards. I think that was along the right sideline as they were going right to left uh, on the TV. 17 yards. And then there was a throw to Ayuk right before that for 10 yards in a tight window that Ayuk went down and got. But it was still a good enough throw. Those two throws, back-to-back, for Purdy, as soon as he made them, I knew my guy Joe B and and the Packers' defense was in trouble. And then Purdy struggled. uh, I shouldn't say struggled. Scrambled after struggling pretty much the whole game for nine yards down to the five-yard line or six-yard line. And then McCaffrey goes in on the very next play. Huge gap. So the 49ers got it done with a nice mix. But they struggled outside of a couple of drives. And that one. two I mean, they had two other scoring drives. One they just carved up Green Bay's defense on. Back in that crazy sequence where Green Bay scored a touchdown. San Francisco came back right back. Um, so let me see. It was Bo Melton. A 19-yard touchdown catch from Jordan Love to give the Packers a 13-7 lead. Then McCaffrey rips off a 39-yard run for a touchdown. 14-13. And then Green Bay comes right back and scores. So during that sequence, obviously one of San Francisco's real good scoring drives, as we just mentioned, it helps when you have the best running back of the game and Chris McCaffrey. And earlier, obviously, in the game, George Kittle... Uh, I think Green Bay was playing man, and George Kittle's just George freaking Kittle. And it was a great throw by Purdy. And you can talk about the San Francisco systems all you want. Guess what? Those of you that think any quarterback can just play in that system and execute, you're nuts. You're insane. You are a lunatic. I get called a lunatic all the time for being right. Do you think Trey Lance? Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo? Do you think Sam Darnold? Do you think Nick Mullins? Do you think uh, Johnny Manziel? Do you think 
John Beck? You think Rex Grossman? Maybe Rex. Maybe. Would have been able to make some of those throws that Brock Purdy made the other night? You're nuts if you think that's system first, talent later. You're nuts. System, yes, accentuates the talent. And there is good fits in the system. But there's a million examples of quarterbacks who stunk in Kyle Shanahan's system. And I just gave them all to you. Right? Stop acting like offensive coordinators and play callers are the most important thing in the world. They're not. They're not. I'm sorry. They are not. You have to have the talent to process it, execute it, and deliver it. You can draw it up. You can say, well, this is how it should look. But how many times do we see quarterbacks who get a great look, who have an easy read? Again, we were just talking about Josh Allen and his howitzer. How many times can we draw it up and everything you want is there and something goes wrong? Whether it's the quarterback or the wide receiver or the receiver or something going wrong. Again, Brock Purdy did not play great on Saturday night. 23 of 39, 252, a touchdown. No picks. Should have had two. Six scrambles, 14 yards, whatever. But Brock Purdy was awesome when he needed to be on that final drive. He threw an absolute laser to Kittle for the touchdown early in the game. And I think the play before the McCaffrey 40-yard touchdown run, I have to double-check. I think that was a third-and-long conversion, but I could be wrong on that. Okay, you watch a lot of football, everything kind of runs together. The bottom line is this. Stop the nonsense with this whole system crap and this whole play-calling genius, all-that-matters nonsense. Players play. Players execute. Players play the game. Players make plays or don't make plays. Period. That's the deal. And if you don't think that, then you're not only are you insane, but you're on a different, you're you're basically getting dropped off on a UFO. I'm sorry. It's the reality. It's the truth. Play calling is not more important than play execution. Who executes the damn plays, good or bad? That would be the players. Yeah, the players. Yeah. That's all that I'm about, people. And you can have the greatest design in the world. You can have the greatest formatics, the greatest scheme, whatever. If you don't, same thing in radio. Like, there are people that are way, 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 way better at doing a talk show host, uh, doing a talk show than me, formatics. They don't stumble, they don't bumble. Guess what? A lot of them are boring. Such terrific mathematical analysis. Exactly. A lot of them suck. 
A lot of them is like beep beep. <laughs> a lot of them you'd be better off watching paint dry. But they're great system hosts. Oh, they're great with formatics and teases. I ain't great with any of that stuff. Go ahead, go well, all over me then. You know where I'm great? You know where I'm good? Telling you the damn truth. And telling you things that you ain't going to hear anybody else. That's where I'm good. Take it easy. No, you take it easy, doggy. I'm right. The 49ers did not win that game because of Kyle Shanahan. As a matter of fact, let me give you one last point. Kyle Shanahan near the end of the first half. For those of you that were watching, I went back and watched it uh, uh, yesterday morning just to make sure I was right. Kyle Shanahan was brutal. I mean, we talk about bad clock, Matt. You know, I know that's Coach Sheehan's specialty. uh, So I'll leave that to his neighborhood. I I don't know if he talked about this this morning. I'm sure he did. Uh, I didn't get to hear it. Before the Moody 48-yard blocked field goal, which maybe it was pointed out to me by a coach, a friend of mine, that Green Bay may have gotten away with one there. So who knows? Maybe it wouldn't have been blocked. Maybe uh, the 49ers would have had three points, what have you. Kyle Shanahan threw a short pass of eight yards. Uh, to, oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is before. Kyle, Kyle uh, Brock Purdy. A short completion for five yards. Nope. Hang on. Let me back up. Christian McCaffrey ran the ball for thirty uh, three yards from the Green Bay 46 with 119 left on the clock. This is the spot that I wanted to get to. 119 left on the clock, three-yard run, Christian McCaffrey. San Francisco's got all three timeouts. Again, the play starts at 119. It's a three-yard run. Kyle Shanahan waits until 34 seconds. And the play cock, uh, oh, the play clock, my goodness. Woo! The play clock dwindling down to nothing. And they take a timeout with 34 seconds left. Now, I know you're not trying to give Green Bay any extra possessions. I got it. And I understand they could have a complete miscommunication. Like I've had a couple already. (laughs) But what are you doing there? What are you doing? Take the time out after the three-yard run. Are we playing, wait a second, wait a second, let's not give them the ball back. Or are we playing smart football? And actually trying to score points and move the game and move the ball. And and where was Greg Olson in that spot? Didn't say a damn thing. I missed it. Weird. And then they run a short little pass and they take a second timeout four seconds later. Five seconds later. And then they have a Brock Purdy spike. They save their final timeout. Green Bay uses a timeout. Green Bay uses another timeout after an incompletion. And Kyle doesn't even use the third timeout. Because then they get the 48-yarder blocked. But maybe 
if they would have used the damn first timeout with a buck 14 left, they would have been able to move the ball. Just a terrible, terrible, awful job by Kyle Shanahan. Just a terrible job. And I am not one to kill clock management, but San Francisco had no right winning that game. None. At all. Sorry. If that if that pisses you off, too damn bad. Sorry about your luck. They had no business winning that game. None. Green Bay blew that game, and San Francisco was very fortunate to win that game. 301-230-0980-301-230-0980. Eric Bieniemy interviewed over the weekend, we, well, or late last week for the head coaching position. A lot of people got mad about it when I tweeted about it. I'll tell you what I tweeted and what some of the people said, and you can chime in at 301-230-0980. Did it upset you that Eric Bieniemy got a head coaching interview with the Washington Commanders? I don't know why it would upset you. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Hey, Motown Monday in the nation's capital and beyond. Team 980 Odyssey app 225 and change along with Matty Ice on the other side of the glass. I'm merely the rooster. And you are you, 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. Tell you what, we're going to hold off on the phones until after the bottom of the hour trending alert. And when we come back and then it'll be just, just calls, okay? 301-230-0980. So if you want to get in line, we got Cliff, we got Lou, we got some of the usual suspects. Hop aboard now, 301-230-0980, and we'll get you in. Two things. First, Ron Rivera going to interview with the Eagles defensive coordinator, uh, or for the Eagles, I should say, defensive coordinator spot. Good for him. I'm happy for Ron. I mean, listen, he wasn't lying to John Kine when he said, hey, man, I missed coaching. Instead of being a CEO, supervisor, this, that, the other thing, whatever. I missed coaching. The results sucked, but I missed coaching. I like being with the guys. I like actually coaching. Now, he may not have another choice. He may have received no interest for a head coaching position. That's probably more likely than it is unlikely. But I can't rule it out one way or the other. But if the first interview he's taking is to interview for the Eagles' defensive coordinator position. It's more than likely and much more likely than it is unlikely that he hasn't received any requests to interview for a head coaching spot just yet. Otherwise, why would you, you know, like, of course, that would A, leak, B, you would take that more than a defensive coordinator position. But Ron made it pretty clear that he missed being in the trenches. So maybe this shouldn't be a surprise. As far as a fit, listen, I know you guys all hate Rivera, uh, you know, for the kind of coach that he was, whatever. I mean, look, the the notion that he doesn't know how to scheme up a defense. I, I was around Rivera lightly in Chicago when he was the defensive coordinator when that team was going to a Super Bowl. Okay? I know people that were with him in San Diego when he was the Charger defensive coordinator. Okay? Ron Rivera can coach defense. Is he going to be great at it? That I can't tell you. That Eagle defense, if that's the job that he gets, has a lot of question marks. Now, they do have a good, good front four, five, 
some of those guys coming back, some of those guys not, you know, what have you. They got a couple of young baby bulls that I'm sure he would be licking his chops to work with, and Jalen Carter and um, and Jordan Davis and whoever else they draft. They've got some big-time questions in the secondary. They had a lot of injuries last year. They blamed it all on the coaches, as usual. You, A, a lot of you guys bought into that. The bottom line is this. They lost a lot of pieces from their Super Bowl team. Wasn't all on the coaches, guys. Just wasn't. Some of that is attrition and free agency. And what happens to championship teams, some of that was, again, injuries. They lost so many key guys from their Super Bowl defense. Edwards, the linebacker. They lost Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Avante Maddox was hurt all year. He came back, but he was hurt all year. They lost Javon Hargrave, who's now in the NFC Championship game for the 49ers. Stop with the notion that it's all on the coaches. Oh, if you had talked to any Eagles fan leading up to the game, they knew that this was coming. That they had seen the writing on the wall for Against a while. Tampa. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That was absolutely. No, I didn't think they were going to be that bad. But they they saw that it was right. the, that this situation was no longer tenable. Yeah. And that there needed to be severe changes, yeah. regardless of their final a, position. They had a little revival in the Seattle Monday Night game under the first game under Patricia. They lost, but they had a little revival. They looked spunky, but after that, it quickly. Evaporated I mean, you got to remember again. they were ten and one. Yeah, came going into the right. last six games. But, I mean, given they had a real hard back end of the season, but still. Yeah, but but again, how much of that is because of injuries, and how much of that is of because it. of free agency departures? A lot of and it. This and this is what the, fans the and continuous media often hard just games, dismisses. The continuous hard games yeah. also don't exactly. help with the injuries. I mean, exactly. they had a tough end of the year. Yeah. It beat them down, and if you talk to the fans, they knew this was coming. Yeah. No doubt. All right. The other thing, real quickly, is Eric Bieniemy got a head coaching interview with the Washington Commanders. Now, some of you might be surprised by this. That only tells me that you weren't listening. Because we've talked about this for a month and a half at least. Over and over and over and over and over again that Eric Bieniemy was going to get a head coaching interview with the Washington Commanders. Some people acted stunned by this. I couldn't believe it. Could not believe it. Eric Bieniemy deserved an opportunity to present his case. He's the assistant head coach. He's in the building. He's doing the grunt work that they asked him to do. He knows the personnel better than Adam Peters. He knows the personnel certainly better than the new head coach, whoever that might be. And yet you guys were running around parading around on stupid X yesterday thinking that I said that he deserved the head coaching spot. No. Never said such a thing. But I've said for a month and a half at least over and over and over again on this show that he deserved an interview, that he would get an interview for the head coaching opportunity, and I did not think he was going to get the job, and I still don't think he's going to get the job. But I said, when Jordan Schultz put out his report, this should not, N-O-T in capital letters, be a surprise to anyone. 
EB obviously deserves the opportunity, and we've been saying he would get one for a while. Would be 1,000% wrong to not give him a chance. Now, I guess some people took that because nobody reads as I'm saying he deserves an opportunity to be the head coach and that it would be 1,000% wrong to not give him the chance to be the head coach, not the chance to interview to be the head coach. I guess maybe I could have clarified that more, but I didn't think you people were taking that as me saying what I just read, that he was that he absolutely should be the new head coach. I don't know any part of that that says he should absolutely be the new head coach. Matt, we do the show every day together. Have you ever heard me say that Eric Bieniemy should be the next head coach? No. In fact, okay. you frequently say you do not believe that he will even Correct. be around for the next regime. Correct. Well, well, I, I've said my, maybe if they hire a defensive-minded head coach and there's a previous relationship and whatever and you want to keep the language the same and keep EB, he's under contract. That's a lot of ifs. I, but but that's, that's what I've said. Linnell said the same thing, what have you. I've never said I think he's going to be the head coach or anything. If I read you, quote, this should not be a surprise to anyone, EB obviously deserves the opportunity – and we've been saying he would get one, meaning an interview for a while, would be 1,000% wrong to give him a chance, to not give him a chance to a story that says he's being interviewed or has already interviewed. You would take that as what? Me saying he should get the job or me saying, hey, it's only right. Now, knowing you and with this conversation, obviously I think it's about the job. There is a surprising no, about lack the interview. or yes, about the interview, right. the interview for the job. Sorry. Right. There's a surprising lack of uh, nouns in your tweet, which I can understand why people are confused. What specifically you're talking about a whole lot of it's and does and all of that. And so there's a lot of a implied implication when you're reading, you got to read between the lines. I think that's where I think that's where you got to caught up because no, Absolutely. You do not. So if you're trying to hire someone. So basically, wait a second. You're basically saying that I'm terrible grammatically. No, I'm just saying that tweet didn't really have a subject. Um, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, in your defense, it's, it's tagging a tweet from Jordan Schultz that says he, he interviewed for the job. It, I mean, that that's the inference. That's the reference. The issue is there's when with your tweet right there, or we're going to have a grammar issue or talk now with that tweet right there. You never defined that the. Interview was what the subject you're talking about, I'm not the job. The story about the interview for the job. For the job. So, are the you interview. talking about does he deserve the job or no, the interview? That's what I'm saying. I'm tagging a tweet that says he interviewed. Well, but you don't say the interview in your tweet because it's clear. Because I'm tw- I'm retweeting it, quote tweeting it, whatever. I'm just saying, subject would help. But you're right. No, especially in a situation where if you're hiring a position. You And you have a guy that knows everyone he's been working with, knows the system, has his own beliefs, and has for a while been kind of run out of that position. This is his opportunity to like give you the, here's what I know. And you, if you don't take that interview, then you're not running a proper organization because you're not looking within at with a talent and the experience that you have internally. Yeah. You don't, you don't do this kind of rebuild without looking and giving interviews to every single one of your top ta- or talents on for coaching like that just doesn't happen just so 
people that are upset about the fact that he got an interview, no. He did. Some people were upset more about that than than what they thought I was inferring that he deserves the job. And anybody that's saying that he's just getting an interview for the Rooney Rule is well, they already they they already uh, uh, what do you call it? and and that's probably quite honestly why they held off and didn't announce that they were interviewing him because they didn't want it. They to, didn't want that. They to didn't conflate. want the perception to be that they were only talking to him. Now I don't know what the rule is. If 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 somebody from within your organization interviews, does that I, I believe I that no counts idea. as the as qualification for the Rooney Rule because the last time they had the Rivera job, right? They interviewed somebody from their staff. I forget who it was who was black, and everybody said, "Well, it's it you know that counts for the Rooney Rule or one of the Rooney Rule interviews or whatever." Anyway, we can talk about this forever. Were you upset that Eric Bieniemy got an, a head coaching interview for the Commanders? Does that bother you? Or is that just smart business? I say it's smart business. That's what they should have done. That's what they did do. It would have been dumb for them not to do it. 301-230-0980, quick trending alert, and then back to your phone calls. Here's what's trending on the Team 980. All right, so as we just mentioned, Ron Rivera interviewing with Nick Sirianni for the now vacant Eagles defensive coordinator job. A vacant, of course, because Sean Desai was officially fired after a disastrous first year on the job. Matt Patricia left uh, to explore other opportunities. Patricia had taken over play calling uh, from there. Former Washington Commanders slash Redskins assistant and now former Seahawks offensive coordinator Shane Waldron being hired to run the Chicago Bears offense for uh, Justin Fields for now and the number one overall pick, which a lot of people think will be Caleb Williams. We will see where that goes from here. AFC and NFC championship set as we've spent the first hour and a half or so of the show. Kansas City beating Buffalo last night in Orchard Park as they advance the AFC title game against Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers will host the Detroit Lions. And that's what's trending. All right, 240, Team 980 on a Motown Monday. We're getting right out to your calls. 301-230-0980, No problem at all with Eric Bieniemy getting an interview for the head coaching position. It's the right thing to do. It's a smart thing to do. He knows the most about this team's personnel. Offense and defense because he went against the defense in practice every day. Stop thinking that just because somebody's statistics weren't very good, that they don't deserve consideration. I'm not telling you Eric the enemy deserves the head coaching job. He doesn't, in my opinion. Not good enough, in my opinion. And yes, that is a reaction to some statistics. But it's also a reaction to overall philosophy. And what we saw over 17 games plus an offseason. I like Eric Bieniemy. I was stunned that he was as pass heavy as he was, averaging 41 and a half dropbacks a game. And that was down. Not all of it was score and game situation dictated. 
but he absolutely deserved consideration. And he deserves consideration. That doesn't mean he deserved the job. Consideration. 301 230 Let's get back to the phones uh, and talk to uh, Lou. Uh, let's do, uh, I'm sorry, Cliff. Cliff. Cliff on line one. Uh, let's get Cliffy aboard here, and then we'll get to Lou. What's up, Cliff? How are you? Hey, what's going on? What's um, going on, Cliff? I'm going to start off with Abby Henley, and then I'm going to end with a question. Okay. Um, I'm also going to uh, talk about the playoffs too. Again, um, we should have got an interview because it complies with the ruling rule and is also equal opportunity employed. Now, second, to, uh, it, it, they the playoffs, already, but, but hang on a second. They already complied with the Rooney rule. That, th- this interview has nothing. To, this has nothing to do with the Rooney rule. Okay. Well, uh, the, um, the second thing I want to talk about is the playoffs. You notice. I'm surprised he didn't get flagged for or or they didn't show nothing on TV this week in this weekend's class playoffs. But this coming um playoff game, watch out for number ten for Baltimore to jump the back because he on occasion always gets away with holding penalties. I've seen him many a times either grab a receiver or tell a receiver about his jersey and never get the flag. When the ball's thrown, he put his hands up like he did enough. Now Baltimore. Maybe they're going to the Super Bowl. I don't know, but they got to get past Mahomes first. And I had a question because I was uh, listening to um, uh, Marcus Spriggs over the weekend on ESPN. Um, what do you think if the Pittsburgh Steelers were to go out and sign, you know who? Are they considered Super Bowl contenders? And I'll sit back and listen. Well, I don't. Who, who's who's you know who? <laughs> Kirk I mean, Cousins. Oh, Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry. There's a million people that it could be. Um. Are they Super Bowl contenders? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I'd I'd like to think that they are much better contenders than they are right now. And as it were, they were Super Bowl content. They were playoff. They were a playoff team. So I consider that a Super Bowl contender when you make the playoffs because you have a chance. And quite honestly, they should have beaten the Buffalo Bills if they would have played without their head up their asses. Uh, for much of that yeah, game. Did. So, yeah, if Kirk Cousins can bounce back from the blown Achilles, which, look, it's not like he's a mobile quarterback anyway. Uh, as long as he didn't lose anything major, certainly they are going to be in a much, 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 much better position with Kirk Cousins than with Kenny Pickett yeah. or Mitch Trubisky or, uh, or or Mason Rudolph or whatever. I appreciate the phone call, Cliff. Thank you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know the defensive back that he's referring to. I don't know. I don't. That's not. That's not Kyle Hamilton. Um, so number 10 on the Ravens is, I just said it, Arthur Millette, cornerback. Okay. Cornerback. Yes. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I, 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 like, I, I can't tell you that I know a lot about him. I know nothing. Okay, but the bottom line is, is I would say this. There's a lot of things that look like holding defense, pass interference, what have you. Not every time when there's contact with the defender. Is it holding also, or defensive pass interference? Also, if we're being honest, they can't call holding every time they see it because that would be every single yeah. play. Yeah. That's the way the or game's played. Or some sort of illegal contact or some sort of defensive pass interference or even offensive pass interference. I mean, there has to be some game flow. You got you to gotta make it. It's got to be blatant. And right. yeah. Right. Let's get to Lou uh, right now on line two, Maddie, uh, on the Team 980. What's up, Lou? How are you? Man, I'm good, Chris. How you doing? All right, Lou. What's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Um, 
what I was going to say. Are you excited for Ron Rivera to be interviewing with the Eagles, Lou? <laughs> I'm more so. I want this guy to take a, like a, at least a year off, man. Yeah. Go enjoy, you know, your Go family. Take and just, Go take a relax. nap, Ronnie. Go take a nap. Go play some golf. I got to. I got to admit, I thought Ron was going to take this year off and and do some, you know, TV and golf a lot. Right. He just being selfish, man. I mean, at the end of the day, you coming off, you know, you've been what the the cancer situation. Yeah. You don't have time to take off, so it's only right that you know you go hang out with your family and just relax and reset and come back. But he's just being, you know, said he want to hire him, go go for it. I don't care, but he ain't going to do anything anyway. So as far as you know, EB goes, I think. Uh, look, man, see, see, there's a difference between EB and these new coaches, man. If you want to win a Super Bowl and if we want to go to what Kansas City has been doing for the past years, you hire EB as the coach. But if you just want to win like 10, 11, 12 games and just set the bar low, and which majority of these, like the fans I hear, is that's what they want. They just want to win like 10, 11 games and that's it. And, and maybe a playoff. But if, he, if that's what you want, you hire the guy Ben Ben Johnson. Go go for it. So that's the that's the difference between me and some of these people. They keep you know they want this new toy and that toy because it, Chris, if you look at it, it wasn't any leadership for these people to call in and complain about Eb not you know Eb not having you know or, or, or you know play calling his you know not running the ball this that come on man it's just. It wasn't any leadership. I mean, leadership. So he came and he exposed them, and Ronda liked that. And these people want to make make it look like Eb is a loser or he just don't know what he's doing. Like he, him and Sam was never responsible for this failure that Ron has bought in for the past four years. So to me, Eb is all the way. That's my vote. You know how all I right. go about that. I, I feel you, Lou. Uh, let me let you run because I'm up against the clock. But I will say this to your point. The first thing Adam Peters said, look, we've got a good building. We've got some good people. This team needs leadership. It's missing leadership. Now, whether that was just a thing to say or a thing that he really and genuinely feels that was conveyed from Josh Harris and because he knew he was very much into this job and was seriously considering it, he had studied it, he had talked to people, I think that's more legitimate now than maybe it was even a couple of weeks ago before the white towel was thrown in, when it was clear that it was a rudderless ship. I don't think Ron was a bad leader his entire time here. I think he became a bad leader in his final year here. In a lot of ways. 301-230-0980. Paulie will come up next. Oh, boy. It says he wants to yell at me. Go figure. Ah! Shocker. Take a quick time out, 301-230-0980 on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, before we get to Polly on this Motown Monday, don't forget, coming up Friday, February 2nd, that's less than two weeks away, baby. It's 106.7 The Fan. Versus Team 980 Live, Friday, February 2nd at 8 o'clock at the Bethesda Theater. What will be our reaction? We think. 
to the commander's new head coach, assuming they have one at that point. Not a definite. That's before the Super Bowl. Who will win Super Bowl 58? And much, much more. All off air, on stage, and uncensored. Plenty of hijinks. Plenty of ball busting, for lack of a better term. Get your tickets today. BethesdaTheater.com. We'll all be there, including uh, Kevin Sheehan, Coach Sheehan, myself, Craig Hoffman, uh, who follows us, the sports junkies, Grant and Danny B. Mitch and Finley, all on stage, all with you, all having a good time. And it's presented by our friends at Main Street Bank. Cheer local bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit mstreetbank.com for more information. The aforementioned Pauly is next up on the Team 980. Pauly. Hell to the W. What's up, Paulie? Chris Russell, man. Cry me a river. Why is that? What, what, what are you <laughs> hey, upset Matty about Ice, now, man. Paulie? Matty Ice, pass him some tissue, man. Are you really crying about people attacking you on the X, man? Come I'm not crying. I'm just mentioning how stupid people are. You know how many people you have damaged over the years on the X with your words, oh, man? Oh, that I have damaged? Okay. Yeah, not to yeah, not to yeah, man. Come on, I, I've seen you. Not hey, not to mention, man. You kind of deserve some of the trolling, man, because you could be you could be contrarian at times, and you could be a flip flopper at times. More, only thing you really consistent with is you blame the players for everything. <laughs> you consistent with that? You're definitely management. Right, right, and 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 I I never give them any credit, right? I I, I blame the players, but give credit to the coaches, right? Hey, you said it, not me. Yeah, well, of course, that means you're not paying attention because, well, uh, I'm always it's not attention. shocking. Checks and balances. Uh-huh. Okay. Hey, but look, man, let me on this uh, be enemy thing. Um, yeah, I see when you tweeted that. It was nothing wrong with what you said, man. You know, it's just the, the crazies out there, the same people who think Jay Gruden is a good, was a good coach. <laughs> same <laughs> people who thought Ron Rivera should get another year. It's the crazies out there, man. And it's not even about being in the nose what's in the building, uh, blah, blah, none of that, man. You know what I mean? Shout out to Lou, man. That was a good call, Lou. You took a lot of my thoughts. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, Adam Peters said it when it was asked about the head coaching. He's looking for a leader. You know, what about Eric being in me this year so that he wasn't a leader? You know, he never threw anybody in the bus. I mean, you know, he got attacked a couple of times this year. You couldn't tell from his response that he had got an attack. You know, he, he handled it very classy, very professional, kept it moving. You know, regardless of what his philosophy of his offense or any of that is, I think he showed, you know, a lot of leadership qualities. You know, as far as his offense and all that, that can evolve just like everybody evolves. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure some things he wish he had back or wish he would have done in his first time calling plays. You know, let's not forget that. This was his first time. Everybody wanted to criticize the move, you know, when he was hired and went to throw that out. But but conveniently forget that and criticize him throughout the year. This was his first time completely calling plays. So, you know, let's not forget that. But I think, you know, I don't see why he wouldn't be a viable candidate and a strong candidate. I mean, these guys got to see him operate and work for four months. So, I don't see nothing wrong with that at all, man. And I want to add this, too. I heard you talking about the announcers. I want to say this about this season. Um, ESPN 
they finally made a right decision on with the Monday night, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. Look, I'm not the biggest Troy Aikman fan. I'm not. And I think Joe Buck could be a little bit over the top a lot of the times. But them two brought credibility to Monday night football this year. I actually felt like I was watching Monday night football. It was a big deal with those two being the announcers. And I thought they did a good job. You know, so I'll, I'll take that off, man. Hell to the W. All right, Paulie. Uh, thank you. Uh, I, you know, listen, I, I li- I've always liked Joe Buck. I think Joe Buck gets a lot of criticism for no reason. Sure. Is he a little swarmy? Absolutely. I've always thought Joe Buck does a great job. Troy Aikman does a fine job. He's just boring. Says nothing of any consequence. Sorry. I mean, but he's Troy Aikman, and he looks good on TV, and he's measured with his words, something I'll never be. All right, final hour of power. Just a Motown Monday. Good to have you with us. Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Baby, good to have you with us for our number three on a Monday afternoon at 301 230 980 301 230 January the 22nd. 20th. I can't speak today. Oh, so frustrating. It's so frustrating when your brain works one way, Matt, and the words that come out sometimes are like verbal diarrhea. Right. I mean, late Ron Rivera's tenure, I would be like, guys, it doesn't matter what he's saying. You guys are all reading into every little thing that he's saying. It's all a bunch of gobbledygook. It's all a bunch of diarrhea coming out of his mouth. Well, today I have said and the horniest guy on the, 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 the universe. I have said something other than game clock twice. I think you can fill in the <laughs> the missing uh, words or the missing or the extra letters or however you want to trim that down. Uh, and then just whatever I just said there about January the 22nd. I sound like Zion Williamson at the podium. Lackadaisical. Yes, that's Zion Williamson. When he's trying to say lackadaisical. Something he knows a lot about. And instead we got Yes. Yes, Zion. We're here to remind you of that. 301-230-0980-301-230-0980 is the number for you to hop aboard on the Ace Law listener lines, uh, and uh, you can join us. Listen, again, about Eric Bieniemy, we know the other candidates. Nobody that I know of is thinking that Eric Bieniemy should well let me let me back up because there are people that that think Eric Bieniemy should get the head coaching job and we just heard from a couple of them uh Lou specifically and I guess Paulie is kind of in that mix there's nobody that should be looking at it and saying it was all Ron Rivera's fault as to why Eric Bieniemy didn't become this play-calling messiah. That's not correct. Did Ron Rivera 
give him too much autonomy? Maybe. Did Eric Bieniemy come up with a terrible philosophy and concept for a fifth-round rookie? Yes. There is no denying that. I think in Eric Bieniemy's attempt to either, and this is more likely, to either show, hey, I can run a modern offense without Patrick Mahomes and without Andy Reid, and I'm going to drop back 45 times a game, and it turned out to be 41.2 times per game. Dropbacks, that's not passing attempts. That's different. Dropbacks, including sacks. In order to do that, or in order to show that I can run a modern-day offense, I'm going to do it regardless of whether I have Patrick Mahomes or not. As a matter of fact, I'm going to make it look more impressive when I do it with Sam Howell. And it, at times, it worked. If you think about it, right, the two losses to the Eagles. Week two, win in Denver. You can argue the Atlanta win, the uh, the Patriot win. Although I personally don't think Sam was very good in either one of those games. The Seattle game, he came alive in the fourth quarter. But in the first three quarters, they really didn't score a lot of points. I think they scored 12 points in the first three quarters. They moved the ball, but they didn't score a lot of points. The bottom line is this. Nobody, and I sincerely mean this, nobody should be judged by one set of rankings One statistical analysis, one game, and hell, I'll even say this. Nobody should really ultimately be judged by one year, right? Because I know this is a foreign concept to many of you. Nobody? Well, hear me out. Jacksonville. You, you you can have a bad year. That doesn't mean you're dummy, a dummy, a clueless, whatever. I mean, players have bad years all the time. And then will bounce back and all of a sudden just find their stroke again, whether it be in golf, whether it be at the plate, if you're a hitter in baseball, or a quarterback, or a pass rusher, or a cornerback, or whatever, right? So when I say nobody should be judged purely based off of a year, I understand it counts and you have to evaluate and you have to try and find out and assess, okay, what happened in that one year that I liked, didn't like, what happened, what do I think is his fault, not his fault, where could he improve, all that stuff. I'm not saying it doesn't count. I'm not saying it's not part of the picture. What I am trying to say is, first of all, nobody should be judged based off of one game. Nobody should be judged specifically, okay, because even by the one-year standard, because what we don't know is what went on behind the scenes. Now, what we don't know is did Eric Bieniemy say, hey, listen, to Josh Harris, look, the reason why I 
did what I did with Sam Howell was because I really felt strongly about running a modern-day offense. I come from this system. It's a passer-friendly system. Yes, we have Mahomes, what have you. But also, quite honestly, I wasn't sure whether Sam Howell was the guy, and I had to find out whether he could sink or swim the hard way. And this is why I chose to do what I did. And I found out after 17 games that he wasn't good enough to play at a high level consistently in an NFL modern-day offense in which he might be asked to drop back 35 to 40 times a game. That's what I was able to assess. That doesn't mean he shouldn't be on the roster. That doesn't mean he shouldn't. He can't compete for a starting job. That doesn't mean you give up on him. That doesn't mean you trade him, all that stuff. That's what I was able to assess. That's what I was going for. I wasn't going to try and prove anybody wrong or to try and get a next head coaching job because that would be kind of silly of me because I may have just ruined. I I may have ruined my chance at getting a head coaching job because it didn't work out. I was trying for this organization's best interests to find out whether Sam Howell could sink or swim. That should have been the message that Eric Bieniemy was trying to impart in his interview to Adam Peters and to Josh Harris at all and whoever else was involved in that interview. My main mission was to help Sam Howell grow and develop, but to find out and assess whether he could sink or swim in a pass-heavy offense because that's what you have to do a lot of in 2023 and moving forward. And if he said that, Right, And if he said it with the conviction that Eric Bieniemy says a lot of things, and you're hearing that, you're seeing that face-to-face, what would make you think or walk away from that conversation going, this guy's incompetent, this guy doesn't deserve consideration? Like, if that was the main thing, the main message that Eric Bieniemy imparted, You'd say, or at least I'd say, you know what? That makes some sense. I, maybe you could have done it a different way. The old school way used to be, hey, run the ball a lot. Let the quarterback grow. But I see what you were cooking. I see what you were thinking. Ron gave you autonomy, maybe too much autonomy. You took the autonomy that was given to you, and you tried to evaluate and establish whether Sam Howell could run a modern-day pass-heavy offense. And we found out the answer is no. At times he could, but by and large the answer is no. So what you did for us, Eric, what you did for us was tell us that we need a quarterback at number two. And if we're going to trade down, we damn well better not trade down too far or we're not getting one of the top three quarterbacks. And then there's a gap between, you know, the top three and the J.J. McCarthy's and the Bo Nix's and the Michael Penix's of the world. Not that you can't win or cook dinner with those guys, but they're not top five, they're not top ten, they're not top 12. I don't even think any of those guys are top 15. But what that's what you did for us. You determined... Through and maybe it cost you, you determined, for whatever reason, with the autonomy that you had, that Sam Howell is not a 35 to 45 
let's just call it that, water spectrum, per game drop back passer. And for that, thank you. Thank you. Because you just made that decision easier for us. Right? So maybe that's the way the interview went. Maybe that's the way the interview went. Now, maybe it's possible that EB said, you know what? I want. You know what? That's not a bad point. I don't know if that's exactly true, but I, maybe that, that was what he was thinking. So maybe what happened this year, and, and there's the, a reason why I'm getting to this, maybe what happened this year wasn't all EB's fault. Now, common sense would tell you, logic would tell you, if you listen to this show, if you're a smart football fan, you'd understand there's no chance in God's green earth was it all EB's fault. Okay? There's no chance. Again, we don't play the game that many of you play, which is 100% credit blame to the coaches. We don't play that game. So, again, you can walk away saying, as I did, that Eric Bieniemy, in his first year of exclusive play calling, as a full-time play caller, offensive coordinator, assistant head coach, granted, with a spotty offensive line, receivers that, for whatever reason, disappeared, whether that's by creating separation through route development or assistant, to say the ends. Running backs that were, you know, fine, fine. You can sit there and say, well, geez, EB, statistically, you didn't really improve. It got messy down towards the end. You did a terrible job. Or you could look at it big picture and you could say, you know what? We don't know exactly what happened besides what you're telling us, whatever it was that you're telling us. And what our eyes told us? What if, what if we got you the number two overall pick? And you had a quarterback with big-time talent to try and develop. And clearly, and here's where I'm going with this, you are a leader of men. Our guys didn't like you because you were too tough on them. Supposedly, allegedly, our guys were rubbed the wrong way. They were uncomfortable because of your hard-nosed style. And if I'm Adam Peters, privately and publicly, I've told anyone and everyone who will listen, I'm looking for a leader, not for specifically an offensive or defensive-minded head coach. I'm looking for a leader. Is it possible that the best leader they're going to be able to find is already in their building? Again, many of you will dismiss it solely and purely based on statistics and the numbers not improving enough. And I can't work around that. It is what it is. I don't know the reason why EB chose to go the way he did. But I just outlined a couple of the possible theories. But if they're truly looking for a leader, 
he might already be in the building. If that's truly what they're looking for. I don't think it's truly what they're looking for. I think it's important, but I think some of it was said to establish a vision. I think ultimately what they're going to do is say, yeah, that's, we don't feel exactly comfortable going that route, but maybe what they could do is again, hire the defensive coach. Raheem Morris, Dan Quinn, Mike McDonald, and keep EB, or hope to keep EB, who is not getting any other head coaching interview opportunities that we know of, and is under contract, which I think and has been the most logical scenario all along. But if they hire a new offensive coach, it's very unlikely that EB stays. Again, where are you at? It's a difficult situation to kind of decipher. And again, let me be clear. They did not interview Eric Bieniemy to satisfy the Rooney rule. They had already done that. This was not a token interview in any way, shape, or form. So let's not bark up that wrong tree. 301-230-0980. Chris, hang on. We'll get to you right after the break on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. So I missed this earlier today on the junkies. Uh, the story is up at the team980.com. If you listen to the junkies, you know, uh, here on the team 980 or on 1067, the fan, you know that the junks are more about their own opinions, their feelings. They're not reporters, they're not journalists. They're not in locker rooms. They're not breaking down every nuance of every game. But if you listen to the junkies, you know this, that EB, Eric Bickle, is the only Commanders fan on that four-man crew. Don't be a donk. (laughs) You know that EB is the only legitimate Commanders fan on that foursome. Even the two producers, Valdez and Drab, One's a Ravens fan who doesn't have to get uh, his ass tattooed now that the Ravens won. And Drab's a Seahawks fan. Okay? So apparently this morning, and I only saw this because Linnell is promising a reaction uh, to this, so I missed it. This morning, apparently EB of the Junkies, again, the only Commanders fan on the show, said, quote, I would puke, end quote, if Eric Bieniemy is the hire. Now listen, EB of the Junkies has made more money and got more ratings, uh, you know, than I ever will, okay? So everybody's entitled to their own opinion and you do whatever you want, okay? People see things different ways. But I would say this. I would puke is... A what people would call a typical shock jock sports radio over the top and unnecessary reaction. 
is what I would say. And again, I would also say this, that anyone that says, I would puke, no chance, no way, not happening, uh, can't stand EB, don't even interview him, don't consider him for the job, is simply and only responding to what they saw over 17 games, which is a fairly large sample size. But again, here was the point that I was trying to make earlier, is yes, a year is a good sample size, but we don't know what happened within the walls of that year. We don't know what would happen if Eric Bieniemy was the head coach and he could pick the quarterback that he wanted, along with a smart personnel executive like Adam Peters, and coach him from the jump. We don't know. So while you guys all think you have the answers and EB wants to puke if the other EB is the head coach, and again, not telling anybody to have an opinion that, you know, like, you go ahead. I mean, I can think you're nuts, but you're entitled to your own opinion. But my overall point is, all of you guys were so in on EB, and then you watch EB coordinate an offense, and things don't go right, and now all of a sudden you think he's terrible. Stop doing that. Stop thinking that everything is straight up in the way it should be and the way it is. There could have been lots of things at play. Such as, hey, I don't want this guy, Sam Howell. I want Jacoby Prezet. I don't have the power to necessarily do that or to stage a quarterback competition. It's possible. Not saying it is, but I'm saying it's possible. 301-230-0980, is the number. Again, maybe it sounds like I'm making up an excuse for Eric Bieniemy. I'm not trying to. What I am trying to establish is that not everything is exactly the way you think it is, and not everything should be judged based off of statistics. Because if you look just at one year, just at one year, people have down years. People have off years. People have success and then they fail and then or they fail or struggle and then they have success. And let me give you a perfect example. Earlier in the show, we were talking about Nick Sirianni and the Eagles. They were 10-1, as Matt mentioned. What did they do the rest of the way? They lost a lot of games. Yeah, six out of seven. And they sucked in the playoff game, down the stretch, and now everything is in question. Does that mean Nick Sirianni? or Jalen Hurts, or the Eagles organization, or a bad uh, head coach, quarterback organization, or did they just go through a really bad stretch, and now they've got to figure out how are we going to fix this. That's what it means to me. It does not mean that you fire everybody and you get rid of everybody because you struggled in six out of the final seven games or whatever it was. But real quick, though, with regards to EB being brought in, it's important to remember with him talking and potentially with the hypothetical of, oh, I was told to play Sam, all that kind of stuff. The organization knows for a fact what happened because this is the same team that was getting all of the information. So 
there is a level of transparency that has to happen with this interview process that you also have to assume if all of these ideas were strictly on him, they would have avoided the interview. So there's something to be said on both sides for that. It's fair. It's fair. Fair point. But what if, what if that's the reality? What if the reality is EB, Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney, they were all told by Ron, look, guys, I'm not going back on my word. Sam Howell deserves the first chance. He's going to be QB1. He's going to be the starter unless he completely craps his pants, which he did late in the year, and then he wasn't the starter anymore. Even though he started every game, remember, he was benched three times in a row and then and then not the starter until Jacoby Prezet. Some people think it was a made-up injury until Jacoby Prezet pulled a hamstring. But maybe it's possible, possible that EB said, all right, you picked your guy. I'm going to pick my guy, Brissett, and we're going to have a competition in some sort of way. And maybe I'll get lucky if you won't let me have a true quarterback competition where they rotate in series and all that stuff during the OTAs and preseason. Maybe I'll get my way because Sam will look so bad and I'll be so much of a hard ass on him that Brissett will become the answer. You'll see. Maybe, Maybe that was the case. Maybe that was the thought process. We don't know. Don't think because of what was on your television and what was in front of your eyes that that was absolutely the reality and everyone was on board. Because it's possible, it's possible that not everybody was on board, including the others that were so-called the Marty Party or Ron's henchmen or what have you. 301 We'll come back and we'll wrap some things up elsewhere in the world of sports. And dum-dum of the day. First, we have a trending alert. Here's what's trending on the Team 980. All right, some NFL news and notes. The Chicago Bears are closing in on hiring Shane Waldron, the now former Seattle Seahawks offensive coordinator, to that same spot. They hold the number one overall pick. Uh, Certainly, that is a little bit of a surprise move uh, because – Uh, His name had not been mentioned in connection with that. Of course, he was once an assistant here with the Washington Redskins and out of the Shanahan tree. Meanwhile, Ron Rivera interviewing, we just mentioned, for the Eagles and their defensive coordinator position after uh, Matt Patricia was allowed to explore other opportunities and Sean Desai was fired in just one year. Also, The Lions have reached a deal with veteran tight end Zach Ertz, and they hope to be able to get him for the NFC Championship game, which comes up this Sunday evening at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara against the San Francisco 49ers. And from college basketball, DePaul firing head coach Tony Stubblefield. Not Dana Stubblefield. Nope, Tony Stubblefield. After a 3-15 start to the season, he was in the middle of year number three college football congratulations to former navy head coach ken niamatololo he is the new head coach of san jose state university and that's what's trending
We'll get to some final phone calls here in a sec. 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. In a rec, Ace Law. Help you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. But also first, we tell you, coming up in less than two weeks, Friday, February the 2nd, baby. At the Bethesda Theater. BethesdaTheater.com is how you get your tickets. It is 106.7 The Fan versus Team 980 live on stage, uncensored, not on the radio. Yes, that means we can curse and we can say game instead of game clock like I tried to earlier. And I did, actually. (laughs) By accident. Not by design. Anyway, uh, it's all uncensored. Yeah, there will be no beeping. Matt won't have to hit the dump button or anything like that. Going it, well, all over me then. <laughs> it features the sports junkies, uh, Grant and Danny, uh, B. Mitch and Finley, Coach Sheehan, myself, Craig Hoffman, who's coming up at 4 o'clock, uh, about 23 minutes or so away. Uh, the guys from Bit Season, Matty will be there. I don't know who else is going to be there. Uh, I just heard from Big Tony. He's going to be there. If you want to talk Steelers football with Big Tony, he'll be there, he says, on Friday night, February the 2nd, and you can get your tickets, too. So you can be there at BethesdaTheater.com. That's BethesdaTheater.com, presented by our friends at Main Street Bank. Cheer local bank local. Put their team in your office. Visit MStreetBank.com for more information. All right, before we go any further, let's get to Rob and Frederick on uh, line two. Uh, uh, before we uh, again run out of time, what's up, Rob? How are you? Good. How you doing, Chris? All right, Rob. What's going on? Look, man, I've been waiting to say this for a long time. I know I can't be the only person. Look, I cannot speculate on you know what EB was thinking about you know who he wanted at quarterback, but I can tell you what I do know is what I've seen, and I know there are things behind the scenes you don't know. I understand that, but I know this. We had basically a rookie quarterback in Sam Howell. He dropped back to pass more than any other quarterback in the NFL this year with a weak offensive line. It's like driving a square peg in a round hole. It wasn't fair to Sam. And all I can say is anybody that would do something like that shouldn't be cutting uh, my grass in my yard. I, would, I do not want him as a no coordinator. There's no way on earth that you can justify passing that much, running game or not, with a brand new, uh, basically a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and again, Rob, like I don't know how long you've been listening, but but you know the I, I didn't like it either. Okay, I, I railed against it. I'm a run. I'm I'm a run heavier guy. I'm not saying I'm a run first guy. Uh, I'm much more balanced. I understand you got to marry run game principles and play action and all that fancy nerd talk. I, I get it all. Okay, I understand it did not make a lot of sense, and it was not just because the defense was bad, as some people have tried to suggest. I didn't like a lot of the philosophy that Eric Bieniemy had. I like some of it, but I didn't like a lot of it. Okay. However, if I'm going to be fair, all right, what I'm trying to get at is. What I what we don't know is was Sam Howell his guy? Was he trying to prove a point to Ron Rivera to the rest of the NFL? Was he trying to do a true evaluation while trying to develop a quarterback? What that's these are the things that we don't know. So because we're probably never gonna find out, right? Because we're probably never going to find out, can we honestly say that under no circumstances, no consideration, 
should EB be an offensive coordinator and play caller or the head coach? And, and that's where I go, well, I'm not sure, and that's why I needed to do the interview. Hopefully I found out more information than I had. Maybe I found out something I didn't know or realize if I'm Josh Harris and certainly Adam Peters, and maybe somehow, some way, because I said I'm looking for leader, okay, first and foremost, that maybe I was blown away by something Eric Bieniemy said or did or presented. I don't know. We, we you know, unfortunately, know, we're not privy he, to these interviews. But Chris, but this, all I'm saying is this: anybody, anybody who would pass as much as they did with a rookie quarterback like that, to me, I'm just telling you, my my thing is his IQ. I don't care what he does; he never could prove to me that he's suitable for that job taking a guy with a weak offensive line mm-hmm. and dropping him back that often. Rob, you and could he, very well be – yeah, you could very well be correct. You're probably more correct than I am by, by allowing some wiggle room here. You're, you're probably right. What, I, 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 you're more right than I, I'm sure I am, okay? Well, I'm guessing that I am. But, but I, I, guess, <laughs> I, I guess what I'm asking you is would, would you allow the mere possibility – that he was doing it not because that is his philosophy and that's what he thought was the right thing to do as opposed to some other political play. Well, here's the, only th- here's the only thing, Chris. Chris, here's the only thing. If he was doing it because he wanted, you know, the other fellow at quarterback, the only problem is, is that you're judged by wins and losses. That's fair. And I just can't see why – I don't see how an O coordinator would, would put a guy in harm's way – and knowing he's going to lose just to get another quarterback in there by making him drop back and pass all that. I mean, that's just not logical. It's not logical. You so, know, you know, you know what? You're, is, you're absolutely right about that. Again, I would tell you logic does not exist in quite the way that everybody thinks it does in the NFL. I'm, I'll just say this in closing, and I'll, and I'll hang up and listen. All I know is, is that, that, that I, I think it destroyed Hal, and I'm hoping that Somehow, some way, he can still get a job in the NFL, be our backup or whatever, because you know we're going to draft a quarterback number two overall. I don't care. that That's going to happen. But I just feel bad for him because, because of what they did to him. I hope they didn't destroy him. I hope not either. Um, I don't think it did. I don't think it did. But I think what it did was it proved that he has a long way to go before he could be absolutely considered a strong starter not a starter, right? He can start games, but a strong foundational, some might call it a franchise-type starter, and we're not talking about elite Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow-esque. I'm talking about, you know, where where you could say, okay, we could win nine games with that guy, maybe 10 if everything goes right, or or whatever, something like that. I think right now he's far rem- enough removed from that, never mind elite or anything like that. But, but... Do I believe at some point he could get back there? Yes, I do. I saw enough, honestly, of the light on as opposed to off where I think it can get fixed in the right situation and the right scenario. Rob, I appreciate the phone call. And I totally understand. Again, Rob is probably right. It didn't make sense. Again, I said this all year. It did not make sense for Eric Bieniemy to do what he does and do what he did. I think game one, Sam had like 
I want to say it was like third. Um, uh, let me check. Um, I think it was. Um, I think Sam had maybe thirty-one passing attempts and seven sacks. I believe it was. Let me double check here. Uh, against Arizona, Sam Howell was. Uh, he threw net yards passing 156, but that's because of the sacks. He was sacked six times. There was a seventh play where it should have been a sack, but I think it was for zero yardage. I think that's, if I remember correctly on that, gross yards passing 202, pass attempts 31. Again, that's not 31 times is not the dropbacks. He dropped back 37 times in a tight ball game. Sam was asked to do too much right from the get-go. Again, you want to say, well, in Denver the next week, 39 pass attempts plus four sacks, that's 43. You want to say, well, Chris, that's because they were down early. You're right. You're right. I'm not saying... It wasn't at all connected to score and game flow and what have you. What I am saying is there were a lot of times, even the Buffalo game for the first three quarters, where Sam was being asked to do too much in close game situations. And if that is the writing, if you will, on EB's uh, what, what do they call that? Um, you know, when somebody, uh, you know, in the cemetery on, on tombstone, um, what what the words I, is that an epitaph? I, I don't I don't know if that's yeah, the right epitaph. word that I'm looking for, but you know what I'm trying to get. At. If that's like the writing on EB's tombstone from his one year here, was that he asked Sam Howell to do too much? Yeah, man, you absolutely did. What we don't know is the reason why. Was it because you thought it was a great idea or because you were trying to prove a point or because you were trying to evaluate? And the best way you knew how to evaluate was to force feed and overfeed. We don't know the answer to these questions. Again, that's why you do the interview. And when we say interview, I think people think, oh, it's like an interview that you would do for any other job. You know, you go in, you sit down with a human resources person, you know, 10, 15 minutes, they make googly moogly at you and say, hey, we'd like to bring you aboard. That's not the way it works in the NFL. That's not the way it should work in the NFL. Like, if you think that Adam Peters, who wasn't here, and Josh Harris, who's still new to the NFL, not to mention his partners, sat down with Eric Bieniemy for 10 minutes and a cup of coffee in the Redskins Park Cafeteria, the Commander's Park Cafeteria, you're insane. That's not the way it works. This was probably hours, minimum two hours, possibly more. Not to mention what the ownership group observed, what Martin Mayhew and Marty Herney observed and interacted over the course of almost the last 11 months since Eric Bieniemy got here and what they were able to relay.
again, I would not hire Eric Bieniemy to be my head coach. I can't make that any more abundantly clear. It was absolutely the right thing to do to interview him and to find out, hey, why did you do this? What do you think about this? Why was this? So that's where we let it lay. All right, coming up, dum-dum of the day. And, (laughs) well, imagine if you rang somebody's doorbell and then this happened to you. This is next. All right, it's time to wrap up the show here on a Monday. We'll be back at it again tomorrow at 1 o'clock. I think the DOC is in tomorrow. I haven't checked the schedule. Sometimes uh, I kind of forget to do that. Um, But that's what my expectation is. Let's put it that way. Um, So we will see how that works. Uh, But I have not talked to the DOC in a couple of days. So uh, not... 100% 100% sure. Either way, we'll figure it out. Craig Hoffman coming up next, but right now, imagine being middle school age, your kids around the neighborhood, up to a little bit of chicanery, and then this happens. It's time for Dum Dum of the Day. Ah, uh, yes. I used to live in Fredericksburg, Virginia. For about mm, seven years, I like Fredericksburg. Too much traffic, but I like Fredericksburg. But imagine being a bunch of school-age girls, middle school-ish, you know, 12, 13, somewhere in that range. I don't know exact age. And girls go out to have a little bit of, again, not great fun. Cause a little issue by going up to somebody's house and ringing the doorbell. Apparently, the game is called Ding Dong Ditch. I've never really heard of Ding Dong Ditch. Are you for real? I no. Oh, wow. Is that a real popular thing? I mean, I wouldn't say it's real popular. I'd say it's in this area. Most kids have done it. Okay. I, I mean, I've heard of something. Maybe it called a different thing. So basically what you do is you go up to somebody's house and you ring their doorbell and you take off running. Okay? Maybe I've heard it under a different name, but apparently they call it Ding Dong Ditch. Eh, all right. So this happened last week in Fredericksburg, and the middle-aged, middle school-aged girls go up, they play Ding Dong Ditch at 35-year-old Deronda Bailey's house. Now, you might say, well, I don't know who Deronda Bailey is, 35 years old, must be a nice lady, right? And she's a teacher at Walker Grant Middle School. Except what the girls didn't know was that Deronda Bailey (laughs) had a rifle. What? Yes. So the girls rang the doorbell at around 4.30 on Friday afternoon. They rang the doorbell twice, took off, and then moments later, 
Deronda Bailey drove in her vehicle up to the children and threatened them by displaying a semi-automatic firearm. The children told their parents, who called police, and Bailey was arrested and taken into custody initially without bond. She's since been released. Apparently, while the parents are not condoning their behavior of their children, which is absolutely the correct thing to do, the teacher, again, brandishing a firearm and threatening students is not something you want to do. And ultimately, while the school district is taking it seriously and not commenting on personal matters and blah, 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 she was charged with five counts, five counts of brandishing a firearm. Five. Think about this. Think about how crazy you have to be for somebody to ring your doorbell and for you to get in your car and drive up to them and whip out a pistol. I got to be honest. If somebody rings my doorbell and then I go and open the door and no one's there, I'm happier. Yes. Because I don't have to talk to anybody. Yes. And think about how crazy you have to be if you're a teacher. Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum of the day. Mr. Rhonda Bailey, you are a trip, man. And that's the nicest way I can say it. Woof. My goodness. All right, Craig Hoffman coming up next. He'll take you home on this Monday afternoon. Back at it tomorrow at 1. Thanks to Matty Ice. Thanks to you guys for playing along and being with us on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Adios. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.